Jordan sends his greeting from Boston. Yesterday he was driving around the Boston Common looking for parking. He's dropped our daughter Jojo off at her dorm. And she's getting settled. She's uh, starting, praise God, she's got a spot on the running team there. And uh, it's kind of a miraculous thing. We're just going to see how God unfolds this. It's just um, thank you for allowing him to be away while he gets her settled. Um, um, this big move. They just finished their 2,000-mile drive uh, to, uh, from Denver uh, to Boston. So thank you for supporting him in that. Um, hey, who came today? Who's new today? Anybody, anybody new here besides you guys? Hi, what's your name? John? Zach. Zach. Hey, look, I got this really expensive blue water bumper sticker for you. Anybody else new today? Anybody else new today? Anybody? Oh, all right, you win. Okay, little secret. These are free. They're on the back table over there. So I, I just noticed that Jordan actually has one of these on his car. Like, wow, where'd you get that from? Anyway, they're back there. Wear them boldly, proudly. Okay. So we're in a, a continuing a series on the kingdom of God. And today we're going to talk about Jordan Hung, where are you? Uh, okay, we're going to talk about... <laughs> Making family. That's what we're going to talk about. And the role of, uh, of friendship and family in the kingdom of God. And I'm really proud of our church. I feel like we have a very... I don't know. In our, in our church family, we have a lot of family. Like Daniel and Sora, have, they, we've been journeying with them through many seasons of their family, and it's such a privilege to be with you in the joy and also the challenge, and uh, our heart goes with you, and uh, I'm so grateful for, and, and I know you'll be back. I just feel like uh, there's something about Blue Water and the Kingdom of God when you're family, we just stay family, right? So uh, I want to just, we're going to spend some time talking with some very dear family of mine and soon to be yours. Um, I think it's sort of funny when you say he's a guest. He's not a guest. He's like family. You, you go in the back door, you go in the kitchen door. That's how I feel about one another, and I would like us to grow in that. But I want us for us to read a scripture, and we don't have it up on the board, so I'm going to read it for you. And it's from John chapter 1. And uh, it's about how people started collecting around Jesus. And I want to show you that from the very beginning, there's a nature of the kingdom of God, which is very human and very just like, we can do this. So listen to this. This is from John chapter 1, verse 35. And you can follow along on your devices. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where you stay? They said, Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. 
It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed him. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. This is what our brother was saying earlier, Samuel. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, a lot of people in here. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, Kalihi, can anything good come from there? Kaniohi, Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Okay, we'll just stop there. But it's pretty simple. I just want to, to show you guys, to point out, well, first of all, read the Bible. The Bible is awesome. It doesn't have just like spooky weird things. It has like super human, this is how we do life things in it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we've talked a little bit about the kingdom of God being like full of power, like people falling down the ground, flopping like a fish, and then getting up and being like changed on the inside. That's awesome. But today we're looking at a scripture that talks about the kingdom of God is also people making friends. Oh, okay. All right, thank you. Where was I? Okay, the kingdom of God is about... It's not about technology. We need to get rid of the technology and get back to real people, right? So the kingdom of God is about really basic things like making friends. And when you make friends, like it all starts from there. And it happens um, with God's help. Um, and what I want to point out today is something super simple. I like how they say, hey, will you stay, Jesus? And they say, he says, come, stay with me. And they spend time together. They open their, um, well, actually, it's not their home. They just crash his party. Antonio, who used to be just a longtime part of our church, he always said, you know, parties are for crashing, right? You can always crash a party. Um, and I feel like that's what the attitude that I want to just highlight is seminal, critical to the kingdom expansion. And so for that very purpose, we have brought in our um, dear friends, Kathy and Caleb Maskell. Would you guys come up? Kathy, 100% aloha is happening. Okay. Oh, thank you. What's up? (laughs) What? 
How's it, right? <laughs> Discussion yesterday about whether one could say that something is 100% aloha. What do you think? Anybody say that? She's coining the phrase right now. Yes, we're having 100% aloha. All right. Here you go, dear. So, um, where shall I begin? We've known Kathy and Caleb, uh, Jordan and I have known Kathy and Caleb since we were like. Well, here's the math thing again. Do a problem with this. Since 1997, um, when so you were like 11, I was like 11, <laughs> yes, and they were like Two. six. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've known them since Jordan and I uh, were at the University of Chicago. Jordan was doing his grad work there, and um, Kathy and Caleb were undergrads at the university. 25 years later, today, Kathy is the lead pastor of the East Denver Vineyard Church, and she heads up the Vineyard Justice Network, which is a national justice network for the Vineyard Church nationally. And Caleb is an associate director of theology and smart. I helped help to lead the vineyard in the U.S. Yes, yes. specifically in the area of... Um, education and theology. Um, and uh, they are super um, close to our family. My, our daughter, Johanna, just spent the last year living with them um, in Denver. Um, and we have this sort of uh, intersection of our lives that keeps happening. Um, so they're now kind of JoJo's Denver parents. Uh, Caleb went to visit colleges with her and pretended to be her father. <laughs> it was yes. too complicated to explain the kingdom of God to the guy, so I just was yes. like, yeah, I'm her dad. Yeah. <laughs> so we've come to the point of entrusting our children uh, under their care, and I wanted to just use them as um, an illustration, exhibit A for you guys today, and I encourage you um, of what kind of fruitfulness comes when you begin to do adventures in the kingdom of God with people who God throws in your path, uh, as unlikely as they may seem. Um, so just from my perspective, from the start, let me just tell you how it was um, when we were way younger and um, we were living in Chicago. So Jordan and I had begun a small group in our, our apartment and uh, we were going to a, a church in Evanston about 45 minutes away. And um, somehow, Caleb started coming to our small group. Um, I think I was told to go by another pastor. Oh, Steve so told you to go. He, Steve told me to go, yeah. Okay. So the same guy who was sort of a mentor to Jordan um, located Caleb and, I guess, matchmade us, I suppose. Yeah. And, and just in a big picture, at that time, you kind of liked her. She was kind of this cute little thing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was my brother in Christ. <laughs> uh, we lived in the same dorm, and I had just become a believer. I was 17 when I went to college, and he was the, the guy down the hall who someone had told me, 
uh, was a Christian, and uh, he started making me mixtapes of oh. Christian music, because oh, yeah. I'd never heard of Christian music Spiritual before. Spiritual friendship. <laughs> yes, yes. All the old people are like, mixtapes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you guys have also heard a little bit of Kathy's story, uh, which I shared about a little bit last week, because in her pre-Christian days, uh, she was hanging around with this group, and through their influence, decided to want to get to know Jesus more. So you kind of helped her become your sister in Christ. That's true, in a way. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I think last week we, we talked a little bit about some uh, amazing episode where Kathy was discovering some past like spiritual blockages from her family that were preventing her from coming to know Jesus. And um, because at that point we had become sort of you guys would come over to our apartment and study like late at night, terrible hours, um, and eat our food. Um, and and uh, why don't you tell us um, the story, Kathy, of how our friendship with you, Jordan's friendship specifically, kind of helped you move into yeah. relationship with Jesus. Yeah, so this was our second year in, in college. And when you are in college, there is no need for sleep. And so I was, yeah, again, I was a baby Christian. I, was, I guess I've technically been a Christian for about a, about a year. Just started going to church. Never been to church my whole life. Um, my parents are refugees from Vietnam. And uh, it's very culturally traditional um, to be Buddhist, but it's really, you know, we had the altar at home with the pictures of the ancestors, you know, the fruit and the incense. And so that was just, very normal for me growing up. Um, but this, uh, this group of, of friends that I had that included Caleb had this brilliant idea to start a Bible study that began at midnight, <laughs> which is what you can do <laughs> when you're in college. And I mean, so, when else would you have it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're studying all day, so you got to have your Bible study at midnight. And so uh, this particular night the we're just wrapping up like normal I think we were studying the book of Joel I don't remember. yeah and so just kind of closing the Bible study like normal and just going around the the little circle like what can we pray for you about for this coming week and then it was my turn and I I'm pretty sure I said something incredibly benign like I don't know, maybe I have a test tomorrow or something. And as they start praying for me, what happens? Because <laughs> this is where yeah. I lose the plot a little. Well, I had amnesia. As we started praying, it was actually, we were singing, I think, at that time. But Kathy started to speak in a voice that was not her own. And she said, she's mine. <laughs> Which was not a typical thing for Kathy to say. <laughs> We thought something is going on here. And, and, and my friend Pierre, with whom I'd been close for several years and done some ministry things with, even though we were young, um, he said, I think, I think Kathy is like manifesting a demon. Yeah, <laughs> so, so just no context. I certainly was not asking. I had no yeah. sense. I had no understanding that there were any little critters in me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but what I do remember was my throat getting really 
thick. Mm. And not, not that I was having an out-of-body experience, but I definitely had a sense that I was observing mm. myself mm. and unable to speak because something else was speaking. Mm -hmm. So anyway, long story short, you, you can't just ignore something like that. <laughs> so, All right, good night. So <laughs> instead of doing nothing, which was option A, we chose option B, which was to try to pray uh, for Kathy's freedom. So we prayed for a minute, or for several minutes. And then at about uh, 2.30 in the morning, um, we called up Jordan, who was like, asleep in his apartment or sitting up waiting he for he was waiting for someone to call him <laughs> <laughs> he was hoping for a spiritual mission of yes. some sort while he watched tv <laughs> and um and we were like hey you need to come over here and help us kick a demon out of kathy and he came over and the demon was kicked out yeah that was great yeah, yeah. and what um what we were able to process and, and discern post-deliverance prayer was mm. that um, we had just come back from Christmas break. So I was just with my family um, like a month earlier. And uh, my grandmother, who was dearly beloved, had just passed away a year before. And in our tradition, um, that kind of combo Vietnamese Buddhist tradition, you know, the one year anniversary is a really big deal. So we had had a very big party ceremony celebration and um, one of my aunts in her grief had um, started uh, experimenting and practicing with a, uh, yeah, with a spiritual practice called transcendental meditation where um, she was practicing channeling um, what she believed to be the spirit of our, our grandmother who just passed away. And so at this ceremony, um, each of the grandchildren had been gathered and was receiving a prophecy mm. over each of us, uh, which included me. And we were able to well, I was able to discern that there was a direct connection with my family desiring to bless me, mm -hmm. um, but it being at odds with the, the kingdom of Jesus that I was newly adopted into. And so just experiencing that, but in a very relational, mm -hmm. safe way, um, just an encounter of just spiritual battle was very defining. For me, I mean, there's no, there's nothing like a deliverance prayer to, to make you know that the spiritual world is real and that, and that the, the enemy is as jealous to keep you in his kingdom as Jesus is jealous for, for you, for his kingdom. I really appreciate that story. Um, and, and what I like about it is that I love the context in which that little supernatural thing happened. And that's how, you know, we walk with, with one another in simple friendship that makes really big transactions. Kind of, okay, we're done, let's move on. And so, and, and we see one another released uh, into like new fields. I feel like we've watched Kathy like just explode. She's like a woman of great influence and impact. 
and to have been at the point in her life where something just needed to be unscrewed a little bit and the door pop off, it was like, that's, that's such a privilege. And I feel like that's something that we should expect from one another, that you can trust your family in Christ, your friends, to help you through really awkward or weird things. And then it's, it's done, you know? That's what friends are for, right? So, I mean, is it okay? Yes. The story I would want to tell, so we, you know, when I arrived in Chicago, I actually had a little prophetic word from a friend who said to me that he thought when I went to college it might be a church planting experience for me. And, you know, I mean, I was 18, right? So that was not exactly something I would even know how to do, much less try to do. But I was also listening to the Lord. So I had this thing actually like written down on a piece of paper in my pocket or in my wallet. And I started going to church and the pastor of the church that I was attending, as Sonia said, sort of pointed me to their group because it was meeting in our neighborhood. And, you know, as an 18 year old kid, I didn't know anybody in Chicago. I didn't know Jordan or Sonia. I had no imagination for what it would be like to be sitting here 20 some years later so doing fun. something like this. Right. And, and so, you know, you, it was totally normal. I wasn't like freaked out, but it was also a little bit like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be anything at all, right? Like, why am I going to this person's house to do this thing? So you show up on the first day and you're like, ding dong, and the dogs bark and walk up the stairs and the whole thing. And it's like, hi, I'm awkwardly trying to be your new friend, you know? <laughs> and they're like, well, we're awkwardly trying to receive you into our house, you know? Yeah. So we all sit down awkwardly and have like a, you know, seltzer or whatever. And then we worship and things warm up and then we're teaching and praying and, and reading the Bible together. And the the things that God does in the context of very small yeses, mm -hmm. the yes to show up at the door, mm -hmm. the yes to like set out the snacks, the yes to say, well, I can't like preach to you or teach you or like kick a demon out of you, but I can like welcome you and we could read the Bible together, right? There's a like a zero to one, like a world of difference between a small yes and like a meh, <laughs> right? So I would just want to encourage you guys that small yeses change the world, right? And you don't know how impactful your small yes will be. So I would recommend say yes to things. Mm -hmm. Have courage to not say, ah, oh, probably won't work, so let's not roll the dice, mm -hmm. right? But to show up. Mm -hmm. And you're talking a little bit about what it's like to have someone in your home, um, which we have always tried to do whenever we've bought homes we've always looked for places with big living rooms or lots of parking like that's something that we always look for because we know we want to have that in our life and I let me just ask you guys what has the role of hospitality been for you in these last 25 years since then yeah and I would say just like, even tracing it back to that formative prayer experience for for me what what set the the stage for that level of trust is the 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 ways that is, in particular you Sonia really kind of established a, a baseline for generous hospitality as grad students you know like not was Chicago was not your most favorite time not my in, most in, favorite time not your most favorite time <laughs> and yet as you know 19 year olds coming into a room with like, how many dogs? We had two. Two then. dogs yeah. um, who 
were so hospitable in their own way, and there's this white carpet, and I mean, she's not joking. We would come over and uh, study slash hang out so late that she would make pancakes for us, and then she would go to bed. She would make pancakes in anticipation of us staying up so late that she would go to bed. I mean, that kind of, I mean, pancakes are not expensive to make. Nevertheless, they were like these priceless, <laughs> uh, you know, just gifts to us. And so over the years, that has made such an impression. Like, we, we have inherited some of that DNA where over the years we have, we've been married for 18 years now, and we've dated for six, and it's all about the living room. And mm -hmm. we just moved to Denver two years ago from the Philadelphia area, and there's a experiment of generous hospitality that we're going for in Denver. Uh, we've actually given our house a name, mm -hmm. Pilgrim Way, as a, as a place to practice generous and radical hospitality and to, to seek to form people in ways where they can recognize how to feel home mm -hmm. without being at home. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's, there are no shortcuts to proximity mm, when it comes to experiencing that hospitality and I mean, just to have Johanna live with us uh, this past year, and actually right now, there's someone staying at our house, <laughs> even though we're not there, I mean, but that's the kind of ways that have been modeled to us, yeah. but there's a, there's a way to just, how do we use our stuff? How do we use our stuff for the kingdom? How do we prepare um, a, a kingdom place with what you have? Um, not with what you wish you had. Mm, that's good. Let me ask you, how do you, they have two small kids, a kid who's seven and one is 11, and like you work and I mean, you have regular things you have to do. How do you manage to live a life of hospitality with the regular world that you? Um, what are the challenges and how do you meet those? Well, I mean, the challenge is that there will be that they'll be bored and whiny. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not, we bring them around to everything. Um, we just bring them to stuff. And that was modeled to us by some of our other friends too. Kids, uh, When you have people over, how is that with your life? They hang out. It's, I yeah. think it's great for them, honestly. Personally, I mean, I, we watch their bedtimes and we make sure that they like, you know, do their homework and, and stuff. But they have like a million uncles and aunts. And they have people that they, I mean, they'll probably come and live here one day uh, with Jordan <laughs> and Sonia. True. So, you know, there's enough there's enough benefit mm. that as long as you watch bedtimes on a relatively careful, relatively careful span, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's been great. At, at the risk of projecting being an extrovert, because I know not everyone's an extrovert, I have had to learn that introverts are not bad extroverts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, at the risk of projecting, um, I would say there is a certain uh, way of hospitality where you are, one is retaining living like a college student. <laughs> um, and introverts can do this too. You just 
have to watch your, your energy level. Um, but there is that openness, and that is the major risk. Like, you do have to risk, like, my house may not look perfect <laughs> at all times. Um, there's just some very, very just low shelf stuff that we've learned to do. It's like, we now have a fridge just for seltzer. <laughs> so there can be seltzer at all. So what can we offer? Oh, seltzer. Yeah, I mean, but it's just a little thing. Oh, we've thought about you. And we have friends who were missionaries in Uzbekistan for 15 years. And I'll never forget the lesson we learned from him and just the hospitality that they experienced and they learned from. It's like, always have a tin of cookies and some chocolate. I'm like, I can do that. Mm. It's just so practical. So and and so you're kind of ready for the the college hang and one of us will absolutely put the kids to bed, but there is this um, expectation that hey, we might have fun tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think hanging out with them, like I was there in, in Colorado a month ago and yeah. after it looked like everything was winding down, there was Caleb, would you like some whiskey? <laughs> Let's have a whiskey, you know. And, and I'm the kind of friend you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think there's. Uh, I want to just acknowledge what you're saying. There's some effort that goes in to making space, and I kind of want to uh, challenge us. I mean, I, I think I think of K2, our, our community house, do, does this so well. We have a number of folks in our in our midst who do hospitality so well, but there I think we think oh those are the weird people those are the special people, but it's not really the case. That, you know the Chongs do hospitality great. You know um, there's there are pockets, um, but I just wanted to challenge us because we all want to have friends, we all want to have awesome kingdom relationships where your lives are watching and wonderful things happen over a long journey. But it's, the point is not just to have friends, it's to make friends. You have to make family. And so um, you guys are amazing, but you're not that amazing that like, you just do it miraculously. Like you're actually That's, intentional about it. I mean, what I was gonna, the, the, what I'm thinking about as I'm hearing you talk mm -hmm. is the first question is you have to think about what do you want your life to be for, right? Because every institution, every environment that we're in has an idea of what a good life is, right? Your school has a vision of what your good life is. Your job has a vision of what your good life is. And usually those visions are pretty tightly controlled and you're supposed to color inside the lines and you're supposed to like be a good worker or be a good student or whatever. And there, there's merit to some of that. but. If you decide, well, what I want to do is bear fruit for the kingdom of God, right? What I want to do is be the kind of person who can put the seed of my life in, the, in God's ground and say, Lord, what do you want to grow? Mm. And just think about that image for a minute. That's a very realistic image, right? It's not like you're saying, well, first I'm going to raise $5 million and then I'm going to build a mansion. And that, no, you're, not, you're just saying, I'm going to bring my loaves and my fishes. I'm going to bring what I actually have. And I'm going to put it in front of the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to use? And what's interesting, and you see this throughout the scripture, like if you ever read Moses leading the people across the Red Sea, it's so interesting because 
God doesn't just part the thing. He says, Moses, stretch out your rod, right? It's this moment where Moses participates in a thing he could never actually do. Or like Joshua and Jericho, or like Gideon fighting the Midianites. I forget, right? But there are these moments where the Lord says, participate a little bit and I'll do a lot, <laughs> right? So I think once you've decided, I want to be someone who's going to participate, then you start showing up in certain kinds of ways with tables of food, with invitations, with just little intentional awareness of what connection could become. And our lives are really a story of that because out of Jordan and Sonia's small group came a church, the Hyde Park Vineyard Church, which still exists in Chicago. They met today. They're discipling people right now. Mm -hmm. That is because of what happened in Chicago. Then we went to New Haven, or I went to New Haven. Kathy ended up moving to New Haven when we got engaged. And we ended up planting a church. And actually, mm -hmm. in a couple of weeks, you'll meet Josh and Tina Cologne Williams. They come They're the coming to the retreat. They pastor the church that we planted, which also met today and is also discipling people. In fact, they're meeting, I think, right now. So the fruit of these things is not small, mm -hmm. but the seeds are what is actually in front of you, mm -hmm. right? Amen. The work that God has for you is right in front of you today. And it might look like, hey, come over and hang out with me. Let's read the Bible. Let's pray. You don't have to be a genius, yeah. but you do have to be a little bit of a risk taker. Yeah. Small risks, big rewards in the kingdom. Well, when I think of hospitality with regards to, to making family, um, I've, I've been also thinking a lot about the nature of the Eucharist and communion and how, um, you know, the, uh, com the Eucharist uh, communion is, is also called the host. Mm -hmm. And, you know, host is related to uh, the, the word hospitality and, and the root for this this word host, it can actually mean everything from stranger to foreigner to enemy. And so when I think about communion and how like when we come to the table, uh, Jesus turns enemies into friends. And how does that get practiced in the day-to-day -day of our homes? And what I've been really challenged by is not just thinking about how do I serve as the host, but how do I get received by somebody else, where someone else is the host, and I have you know enemy or foreigner or stranger uh, status, mm -hmm. and to be received, and how do you ask to be welcomed in, um, which, yeah, in a lot of ways feels um, like a bigger risk, but when I think of community and just family making, it's not just about us That's having right. people over. It's how do I get, how do I get invited <laughs> um, into someone else's space? Um, there's a, I, I took a small um, cohort of folks from our church plant. So um, we are replanting a church in Denver. Uh, we, we moved, yeah, two, two years ago and about a month ago, a group of seven of us went to visit this radical, intentional Christian service community in, in Georgia called Jubilee. Um, has anyone heard of Habitat for Humanity? 
Habitat for Humanity. So um, one of the founders of Habitat for Humanity, Don Mosley, started this intentional Christian community called Jubilee. And they have been serving refugees for the last 40 years in rural Georgia. And as a, as a little group, we're, we're there to learn. And they asked us to lead a devotional time. And, you know, here I am, here we are their guests. And mm. it's like, what gift can we bring mm. when we are the guest? And I just did what we know how to do. We can pray. <laughs> we can offer listening prayer. Like, I don't know. And so um, this is Blue Water. And so we, in the vineyard, talk a lot about how faith is spelled R-I-S-K, but just through our friendship, I've been kind of seeding in, you know, the blue water, like faith is spelled. Yes. Yes. And so in, I know, I know. (laughs) And so in rural Georgia, this incredible radical community now knows about your inheritance that you I bless you to spend, you know, faith is spelled T-R-Y, and so did the thing, invited someone to come up to receive prayer, and guys, this community is doing incredible stuff, they do ministry to death row inmates, you know, again, serving refugees from over 40 countries over the last 40 years, they, they're, they're um, doing um, some really innovative farming, and in 40 years, they have not experienced a group that wanted to model listening prayer. And so a gentleman comes up and we do the thing. We're gonna quiet ourselves. We're gonna gonna ask the Holy Spirit to give us words, pictures, scriptures, impressions in a posture of blessing. That is what prophecy is. It's to build you up. And this, uh, one of the leaders agreed for, to let us pray for him, and we, we prayed about how he has been sowing and sowing and sowing, and God is calling him to continue sowing. That's a hard word, mm-hmm. but a different crop. Mm. And later on, one of the other leaders said that of this group of 15 folks, that if, if that gentleman hadn't walked in, no one else would have said yes because that's how f- foreign uh, it was yeah. to them yeah. and still so it just takes yeah. that risk to yeah. to be received now i'm kind of bold it's like oh we would have waited all day we would have waited all day until someone is going to come up but that's not everyone <laughs> um but i just want to encourage you like that it, it seems so small it's like what we just pray that's, that's how we pray a reminder i think we take it for granted and, uh, you, and you, you do not know how wealthy we are, yes. how equipped Life we are. Changing. Yeah. Yeah. Life changing. Life yeah. changing. I think one of my favorite things about kind of what I've experienced from these guys and which I hope that we can experience together, and which I've seen most fruitful in my life, is kind of what you're modeling, what this, these folks are doing, even though they're not necessarily doing this in prayer. It's the power of having a group of people that you can love other people with. Like, you, you might be too chicken to do it on your own, but you have someone that you really get along with, you have fun with, and then you can invite somebody into that. And I've, 
it's very fun. It's invigorating. Um, I just remember back in the day, Caleb was in a band called Dickie's Funky Love Bomb. It was a very good band. Ooh. It was called, we called it Love Bomb. But not only were they a good band, but it was in college, these like really shaggy looking boys um, playing great music. But anybody who got in their sphere got love bombed. That's true. Like the love bomb was like a powerful undercover agent for the kingdom of God. Um, and I, I want us to be a love bomb. I want um, the vision that you could have somebody in your home, have a friend, you, know, get to do, you don't have to do it by yourself. You know, Do it as a small group, that's a great idea, Ohana groups, right? So you get a bunch of people together and between you, you have um, enjoyment and affection. And when you invite people into that sphere of affection and pancakes and spaghetti, whatever, yeah. um, it's quite magical. Well, and I think, I know we're almost at our time, but like most people have a hard time believing that anything could be that good, yeah. right? Yeah. Most people are like holding these kinds of communal or even interpersonal experiences at arm's length because they're like, what's the trick? Yeah. Like, when do you start, you know, taking from me, <laughs> right? And every little bit of what is being described contributes to building trust, right? Trust with one another. Trust that the spaces that you're in are safe and warm and loving. And Jesus spent a lot of time being not only consistent, but also defying expectations around who got to be loved, right? And who was welcome in the place. So the little things that you put on the table that are invitational, to the extent that you're welcoming people who aren't sure if they can be welcomed, and you can be consistent in that, what starts to happen is it's almost like, um, like something like resonant frequency, you know, like things start to um, amplify themselves. They like layer one on top of the other and suddenly what you hear is like a ton of powerful harmony that you didn't even know was So what are a couple coming. examples of something you put on the table on a regular basis that would build trust? Well, you can invite people uh, who are not used to folks enjoying them being around and you can enjoy them. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can uh, choose. There was a guy in one of our small groups um, in a city that I will not name <laughs> because I, don't, I would hate for him to know this, but he was a very, very difficult guy and um, he would always show up in our small group and he didn't intend to do it, but he was disruptive. He needed the world to be looking at him and actually really sort of disliking him have you ever met a person like this? They walk in and they're like, I need you to know that I suck, right? Honestly, I'm not kidding. So, so he would come in and make a problem and it would be drawing attention. And just week after week after week, we would invite him to participate, to share what he had mm. to say, to help us to make the food, to hang out with other folks afterwards in a way that you could just watch the disarming nature of what's going on. I think about like Jesus when the woman is caught in adultery, right? I'm sure Jordan has given you his teaching on that, uh, about how he loved her too much to even look mm -hmm. at her shame, mm -hmm. right? I think you can put on the table little moments where you ignore the things that people expect you to see in order to love them well. 
Right? And then you can invite people to encounter with God because God loves them more than we do. So you can say, let's pray. Or you can say, let's laugh. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. when, I'll tell you a secret. When Jordan was writing his PhD dissertation, he was having a hard time. <laughs> he was not loving it. He was occasionally rather bummed because it was like a painful and annoying process. And part of the way that me and this group of shaggy men ministered to Jordan, we didn't even know we were doing it, but we would show up at your guy's house at like 11.30 at night and say, Jordan, get in the car. We're going for breakfast food right now. And he'd be like, what? And we'd be like, get, get in the car. <laughs> and we would take him up to this diner on the north side of Chicago and force him to eat and to laugh. And he would come home renewed, yeah. right? Did we like pray for him? No. Did no. we give him prophetic words? No. no. But we made him smile and laugh. Yeah. And I think that that was some of what God was actually doing. Yes. So don't hear me saying laughter equals the gospel, but it's certainly not exempt. <laughs> right? Kathy, say what you said to me the other night about yeah. what you noticed in that time at, around Jordan that you found helpful. You know, very, yeah, just very similar. I, I think just noticing uh, that he was just a little sour. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I mean, substitute Jordan for maybe someone that you... No, it's that, Jordan's okay. Yeah, uh, they might think of in your life, but just, um, just to, to trust that that is not the whole story. Yeah. And there's even before... You, there's a way that you respond to that that was helpful. I was just trying to get him to trying to just make fun of him and just tease him and seeing the way that he responded to, hey, I'm not going to take you as seriously as you take yourself and just seeing like the smiles uh, and yeah, just the laughter break through. But um, I mean, looking back, that's the way I would say it's just like when he showed up just totally sad. It's like, I don't believe that that's the full story. There's, there's more than that. And we would just tease him mercilessly. Yes. And it's like, you yes. having a bad day again? You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's a lot of ways to, um, to just really love one another. And uh, one thing, as I was talking to Jordan about this uh, yesterday, talking about what we're talking about today, he just said he really wanted us to underline that there's a way, I know it seems impossible, but in our old age, or when you're young age, wherever you are, it's actually possible to still live like a college student. And that's sort of crucial to do whatever is necessary to build family. You, um, the word collegial, right, comes from like college. It's like there's a way that um, I think we're living in a very protected state, the ways that we live now. Mm. And maybe in Hawaii, in particular, like oh, I gotta, we've we gotta make money, and we've got all these jobs, and our kids have to get to volleyball, and we can't possibly do something else. But you can. And I'll tell you, I do not regret one time that we have opened up our house, that we had small group my kids were little. The thing I regret is that there was a period in which we didn't. Mm. Like, so once my kids got a little age and we're doing all this sports and we kind of said, oh, it's too hard, I do regret that we didn't continue. But other than that, I don't regret any time that we've opened ourselves and lived like college students. 
And can I just say on the college student thing, that doesn't mean like live in a state of arrested development, <laughs> right? I think what we're talking about is live in a posture of someone who's come to learn, who's come to be open, who's come to be formed, and who knows that everybody who's passing through their world is looking for connection. Yeah. Right? They're That's looking right. for connection. And some of you guys in this room are thinking about small risks that the Lord would invite you to take. I wouldn't let that go too fast. Think about what that means. Because God's actually sort of in the disruption game, right? Like, he's not trying to destroy you, but he is trying to disrupt you. <laughs> so you might, hey. One word I might encapsulate that is to live curious, to be really curious. I would love us as a community to, be, to develop curiosity about one another, about the people who are coming through our lives. So um, hospitality, curiosity, uh, collegialness. <laughs> I would love for us to think about those well, three I, things. And I think those are the ingredients for joy. Mm. Um, there's, I mean, again, proximity, how do you welcome? I think the best of college is all of the different ways that joy disrupts the schedule yeah. and being available yeah. to it. There's a, there is a, um, for those of us who have gone to college, that there is a, a unique charism that seems to create pockets of, of joy. And that's what we're seeking to do is, you know, grown up, responsible adults with, with young kids. And um, I, I think through COVID, even with us replanting our church, that has become such a driving goal like how do you how do you structure for joy and so this past year i told my leaders we have three goals this year in 2022 the three p's parties 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 That's those right. are the three goals because we need to create context where we can be in each other's presence to foster joy and there's again there's no shortcuts to joy I want to Without take this people. moment to thank you for the Christmas present that you guys sent me. This is a, it's like a party tray, like a cheese tray, right? And this is, I never really thanked you for it. Thank you so much. But I just want, this is like to epitomize for you. I, I just want to say, let's do that. Let's throw parties. Let's, let's make family. Would you, would you pray for us? Just, um, you guys stand up. We're going to close and pray. After Caleb and Ka prays for us, if you came with a need for prayer, um, let's have you come on up and have our prayer ministry and come up and meet you. But let's just receive a blessing of this sort of anointing for joyful family, making family. And I, I um, yeah, just... In, in, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father, I just bless you as a community, um, even those who are visiting for the first time and are a guest this morning. I bless you um, as Blue Water Mission, as a church, to lean towards generous hospitality, to, to lean towards being the agents of joy uh, and joy making <laughs> that the Lord has called you to. And I also just break off the assignment of Satan right now 
the assignment of Satan that has just infected your island, that has infected your church, the in, infected with cynicism, infected with disappointment, infected with anxiety, and I just command that infection to go in the name of Jesus. And in its place, I just hear the Father saying, Satan, you cannot have this church. Satan, you do not have permission to have these people. And so I say, Holy Spirit, come and fill your people with joy. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. Come now. Come now. We break off anxiety and we say be filled with joy. In Jesus' name. You cannot have this church. This church belongs to you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you stay with us now? Let your wind blow through the hearts in this place. Lord, as we take this moment I pray that you would do some repair work some of us need some repair work some of you guys have a sense oh man I've had lots of joyful experiences but I don't feel connected to the source of joy and I just want to say to you that joy is the way that a father looks at his children a mother looks at her children Joy is not something we gin up. Joy is a deep well. Joy is something that we're given. Joy is something that is built into us by the living God to sustain us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And that joy is the joy he takes in us. So Lord, as you do some work resetting and adjusting, some spiritual chiropractic today. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to wait on you as the source of our joy. Lord, that all of this flows out of an awareness of your love for us, Lord. You're not trying to break us into pieces. Lord, you don't need people who are just going to throw their bodies into the gap. Lord, you're not making martyrs you're making sons and daughters who sometimes give everything so lord i pray for sonship and daughtership to flow through this place pray for delight in jesus name amen we could go more and and i wish we could we got to go into second service but i want to just tell you that we're, we're going to continue relationship with you guys, probably. <laughs> yes, they'll be back. And we, um, uh, thank you for what you shared with us today. There's a lot more. Um, and if you need prayer, come on up. And uh, 